You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Lex was not ready for that. Uh, my name is Jordan with a silent PH in the middle, and I'm joined by our wonderful guest co-host over here, Lex Mandrake from Dank Dungeons. Welcome, sir. Hey, thanks for having me, Jordan. Yeah, and I believe people can hear you, so I'm excited about that because I always seem to have terrible uh, audio problems, not just oh. with guests, but just <laughs> whenever I adjust a microphone in my setting. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, how are you? What's oh, gosh, I'm, I'm doing great. great. It's a great day. It's a and d day. Oh, it is. Uh, there you go. I'm like, uh, I'm running D&D later today. Nice. Actually, for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's oh, who I'm running it for. I, I'm in that game. That's right. <laughs> You're in that game. Uh, I'm starting that campaign. That's going to be fun. Um, I've finally gotten back to my... Uh, oh, good. Chad is saying the audio is okay. Very nice. Okay. Oh, um, I finally got back to my every week game mastering schedule. I did. I was the forever DM for a long time, for uh-huh. a lot of things. And then my in-person group uh, had more life responsibilities come up. So they said, hey, we don't want to stop this game, but let's move it to every other week. And I oh. said, yeah, sure. And I am shocked at how much of a void that has left. I'm like, I can't. Yeah. I got I to do at least one game a week. Uh, so now, so that's, so I started another campaign to run opposite weekends. Yes. Yeah, no, uh, that's how, that's how I started too, because we, I was running a game and then they were too busy to play every week. And so then we started an off game for when we couldn't meet with the main game. Mm-hmm. And then that one actually became the main campaign because everybody was more like the people that were in that one were like willing to play every week. So then the other one kind of like went off the door, but mm-hmm. uh, I feel the same way. Like in my prime, I was, or in my prime back in the day, I was running. <laughs> You're over the hill, Jordan. I'm I was sorry. running. Yeah. <laughs> I was running two games a week and playing in a third. And that was uh, before the baby and before a lot of things in COVID and stuff. Um, but I haven't had a game since December and it's just like, Oh, so, and it's partially because of that. Like I was running um, Hot Springs Island with Dungeon Crawl Classics, and uh, that was a lot of fun. But getting people to coordinate schedules, and then half of them are like, "We're going to Disneyland this weekend," and I'm like, "Oh my gosh!" So, uh, but I might be running an Eberron game coming up uh, nice. in March, so that'll be soon. So, I have to wait for their campaign to end, and then I can come in. So. Uh, you know, actually, Eberron reminds me. I was just watching your delightful lore video on the Eberron planes. There right? you go. <laughs> um, and it actually got me thinking about how they would be like that cosmology. Maybe not Eberron itself, although I've got nothing against Eberron. But mm-hmm. if you replaced some things, maybe the prime material like Eberron with Forgotten Realms, and you otherwise just use that cosmology, it's like a streamlined version of the classic or the regular D&D cosmology. The Great Wheel kind of stuff. Yeah, Yeah. it feels easier to digest, especially for someone who's being onboarded. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, that's like, I might use it for that. Like, I think it would be way, way like nicer for new players. No, I agree. And I think that comes from the second edition and all of those people working on planescape and stuff and really trying to define how all of these different planes exist and stuff. But uh, Eberron really took it in a direction of like, well, you probably want like an ice plane. You probably want a fire plane, but like, that's not like the plane of fire, which is nestled in a Russian doll inside this, like, I don't know, just giant thing. So I like the complex great wheel, but I completely agree that uh, the Eberron cosmology just kind of, it's, it's vague enough that, when you explain it to players, they apply their own reasoning to it and then Mm -hmm. they're good to go. And I like that. Um, And something else I really like is that they've somehow tracked the influence of these planes of existence. And so as they get closer to Eberron, it gets hotter or something. And maybe that's why you have summer in this region. And I'm like, I don't know. I just think that's kind of cool too. So it's cool. I definitely was like, Oh, I would need to use that digital aid to figure that stuff out because it feels a little too complicated because there are how many planes? 13? 13, yeah. One of them is detached. So Mm. really you just have 12 to worry about. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's been fun. I've been reading a lot of Eberron stuff and uh, with Keith Baker, who, and I don't think you know a lot about Eberron. We were talking about that before, but uh, it's 
a really interesting setting the more I'm reading about it. And then I'm reading one of Keith Baker's Eberron novels that he wrote back in the early 2000s uh, to kind of get a feel for like what he envisions the world to be like. And that's been a lot of fun as well. So that's my that's my game prep for this game that I'm running. I don't know the story yet, but we're going to do that. So, uh, but we're going we're gonna to explain this uh, D&D celebrity show that Lex beforehand was like, I know nothing about any of this. <laughs> I didn't see it in the notes until right before. Yeah, no, I put, it, I put it like this morning or last night. But uh, uh, so there's a new D&D celebrity show. And I say celebrity, but it's just it's kind of one of those organized ones by uh, those organizations like D&D Beyond is doing this. And this one is Demiplane. So the company Demiplane, Lex was Adam Bradford who created D&D Beyond and got that oh. whole business going. Okay. Um when they were bought by Fandom, uh he did not well rumor is I don't I haven't spoken to him or anything, but like rumor is is he didn't really like how he lost a lot of top tier control and what have you, so he quit and he just like walked away from this business that he built. Um, and then he went over and he announced a new business called Demiplane, which is literally the same thing, but for Pathfinder and now a lot of other RPGs as well. Um, Modiphius got in there for Forgotten or Forbidden Lands and the Alien RPG and things like that. And so they're trying to build an online presence of the D&D 5e variety, but for um, all RPGs. So... When he was doing his D&D Beyond stuff, they had a lot of like celebrity shows that they would like pay for and do things. And Critical Role was uh, obviously a big influence on them creating their own content as well. And D&D Beyond is still creating all of that. Uh, but now we have Demiplane creating a Deborah Ann Wool show, which I think is totally like Adam knows Deborah from having her on for D&D Beyond stuff. And I think it was one of those, like, well, come over to my other company. So I just find it interesting that he's really, he. this is the playbook that he has, and he's just creating uh, the same thing, I guess. But I guess that's also what people want. I don't really know. So, Yeah, uh, it's one of those things where, like, I don't, uh, I'm, I'm happy to, to check out the show and Deborah and Wall rules. So that's cool. Um, I don't know how much that's going to benefit them, right? Because, like, if we look at Watsy and the shows that they do, they have people like Deborah and uh, all sorts of other celebrities. I mean, they had that show going a long time that, uh, like, Kevin Smith Anna was Prosser on it and, and stuff. Yeah, 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 they, yeah. Um, but I don't. But they still get eclipsed by someone like a Critical Role stream, right? Mm. Um, and I don't really know a lot of people who are like, oh, or yeah, I don't know a lot of people who are like, oh, I'm so excited to watch the um, official Watsy playthrough mm -hmm. with with the exception of that game that they had going that I'm forgetting the name of that had like Anna Prosser and Holly Conrad. on. Oh, Dice Camera Action. Yeah, yeah, that one. Um, so uh, I don't know if a company that's already lesser known like Demiplane uh, is going to be able to to cut it unless their content is like really stellar. Because there there are places like, I don't know, like Dimension 20, right? Mm -hmm. That really, and Hyper RPG, that have really made a name for themselves in that sphere by being like very, very, very good at running actual plays. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, uh, uh, I hope they do well, and I'm sure it'll be fun to watch, but I yeah. don't know if they've got enough cachet to make it happen. Yeah, and we'll see. Uh, the It's called Children of Erte. I, I don't know if it's got an it's got an accent. I'm not good with accents. I'm, I was raised in a very, very poor uh, part of the United States. Bad education. Um, but the, uh, Deborah Ann Wool is really the name that they're pulling because... Uh, the rest of the cast, although I like all of them, uh, one of them I don't know, but I like I like the majority of them. Uh, they're not the big people. They're not like a Kevin Smith that's going to pull people in or things like that. Uh, so she's the celebrity. The thing is, is when she did a celebrity show a while back, um, I like her as a DM. She's very passionate about D and D and very passionate about storytelling. And I think. I, one of my favorite episodes of Critical Role was the one that she was on, and she was like some kind of halfling illusionist or a gnome or something. 
Uh, and she's very creative, but just dropping, and I keep bringing Kevin Smith because he's the only one I could think of, but just dropping him into a show is like, well, there, where's the chemistry? And mm-hmm. was that a good choice or was that just a big name? Uh, and I think with this smaller cast of like, and I say smaller in like a social media presence, um, she might shine a lot better having people that are just like more passionate about the game rather than considering it a paycheck, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, Lauren, uh, Lauren uh, uh, Bowie, uh, I forget how to say her last name, but she's does a lot of stuff and she was working with uh, D and D beyond for a long time. Uh, Lauren urban. Uh, and then, Dream Wisp, who I she's one of my favorite people, and we chat every once in a while on the Twitters. Uh, Jennifer, uh, she's awesome, and so yeah. And then Adam's gonna play, and a couple of other people. So we'll see. Um, but it's also one of those like fun, highly produced shows, and those are a little fun to watch sometimes. So yeah, um, I always want them to go back to the Harmon Quest days where they would do the show and then have little animated segments that kind of talk about the show. Like PAX did this with the uh, Acquisitions Incorporated recaps. And I think that's a really untapped market that nobody's really getting into where I'm like, those are hilarious. Like little they, they little really animated, good. like, <laughs> so Just, we'll see. I don't know, hire Puffin Forest or something. Exactly. Yeah. That man needs more money and exposure. Uh, <laughs> He's doing so well. The nicest guy. I'm not saying anything bad about it. I uh, love Puffin. Anyway, uh, so that's oh, really... Go ahead. I do have another question about the Dead Ram Wall thing. Yes. So is this a... Because this isn't a, a Watsy production, is this like a homebrew world that she's putting together? I think so. There's not a lot of information about it. It's okay. A, th- what was been revealed is there's a cryptic trailer. And that's about it. Okay. Um, and, uh... But I can almost guarantee it's not... It's probably not going to be Forgotten Realms. Yeah. Um, because they want to create their own branding and their own world. And, uh, you know, just like Critical Role did, they don't, they'll, they'll steal the things that are public domain and utilize them. But, uh, yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, but it's, de- but we know it's definitely 5e. I would, be it is 100% 5e. They're, they're not trying to, yeah. Cause I think that's hard for actual plays is to get people, uh, signed on to a different system sometimes. Oh, sure. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, When I find actual plays of non-D&D much more engaging, because usually those are the games that have story mechanics that revolve around the actual, like, combat mechanics of the game, rather than 5e, which is more of a combat simulator in a way. So. Mm. Listen, I don't want to start this whole Twitter discussion, okay? <laughs> I got enough of this this week on RPG Twitter. We can stop. That's true. That was all over. <laughs> The circle of RPG Twitter, it, it all it comes back at, at some point. Um, and yeah, we're we're still waiting on new books, so we'll see what's coming out in the the rest of it. But I think the March is when the Critical Role book is released, uh, which is an adventure and a gazetteer of the Campaign Three um, continent, and so uh, that will be interesting. If you're into Critical Role, I am not the most into Critical Role, so I haven't actually been paying attention to Campaign 3, but I did finish uh, the Vox Machina TV show, and oh, I was going to ask Vox if you Machina. finished it, if you've been watching also finished it, the animated yes. show. Oof. Are you Well, first of all, are you a fan of the Critical Roles? Uh, yes. I mean, I was watching it from episode one, uh, and I watched all the way through the first season, and then I was like... Oof, these episodes are so long. Yeah. <laughs> I need to take a break. So I watched like bits and pieces of the second uh, campaign and I haven't really tried out the third one yet, but I have nothing against it. It's just one of those things that it's so time consuming. Like if I think if I started listening to it like a podcast, I'd probably be able to eat through a lot more of it. Yeah. Uh, no, it's funny because I was watching Critical Role and my wife said, I thought you didn't like this. And I'm like, do I really give that vibe? Like I... And I think it's the same thing where I'm like, I don't dislike Critical Role. I just don't feel like I have the time to keep up with it. And then the fans that are into Critical Role, it feels one of those like all or nothing where you're mm. you're like, like, well, I'm a super fan and I do this and I have Matt Mercer's face tattooed on my leg. And I'm like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> uh, 
where I'm like, I think he's a very talented DM, and I really enjoy a lot of the stories. I just didn't have the time to catch up on two years worth of podcast before I start a new podcast, and it was exhausting. Uh, but with that being said, I did watch the show, and I really liked it. Like, I, I finally finished this, and I thought the Critical Role show, these characters are interesting, and they're very... Uh, the adventure they had and there were lots of surprises and lots of like, are they going to make it? And I'm wondering if I would have had that same feeling had I known the, uh, what is it? The Bramblewood story arc that they went through. So, um, I mean, it may be, uh, I certainly, and at Briarwood, oh, the, Briarwood, the Whitestone, sorry. Whitestone arc, uh, is, uh, <laughs> yeah, the best arc is also the smartest arc to do as their first season because it's very, very good. Um, I, I think that it's like as someone who watched the show and enjoyed that, it felt very like weirdly nostalgic, even though it wasn't that long ago that yeah. it was on. But it was like, oh, I remember when this thing happened in the campaign, and now they're translating it into a show. And it also felt like, wow, it's like I sat down and watched this whole story arc of the game, but it didn't take twelve hours. Exactly, and that's that's what I was thinking. Like, I loved that I could just get. I don't know, like the the most engaging beats and skip over all the shopping episodes and stuff. Even though mm. they had a shopping episode, they in did. The, it in was the good. Show. It was good. Uh, but uh, okay, so how how much spoilers can we can we go into? Oh, I don't know. I guess role? I can. I don't know. I would like we. So Lucian and I have been talking about it uh, somewhat vaguely, I guess. Uh, but now that it's all out, I would like to talk about it. So I'm going to say spoilers if you haven't seen the Vox Machina show, because I finished the whole season and I wanted to ask you some questions about like what what other arcs were there that they could have pulled from. Like I anticipated that this was the beginning of the show, but it's probably not. Uh, no, I'm actually uh, blanking on what the arc order is specifically, but oh, I know yeah. the first arc is the Underdark one. Oh. Uh, so that was the one that has uh, Clarota in it, which is such a good NPC. <laughs> <laughs> so I hope that they end up doing something with that later, although it's also one of those like... Um, okay, so uh, spoilers for the show, definitely. We're getting into that. Uh, this whole um, season one basically uh sets up a threat in the very beginning then they go to whitestone and deal with all that stuff mm. and then the threat re-emerges at the end which is the uh those those dragon boys those big oh yeah i was boys. wondering about that yeah um uh so it was like okay um the underdark thing also felt like a precursor to the the chroma conclave the dragon arc so i don't know how you introduce that after you do the dragon arc which seems to be what they're doing or how you shove it into like the middle of that mm -hmm. so i feel like they're just not going to do the underdark thing which fine okay i'll live <laughs> maybe but, that uh, nbc will come back later like, hopefully in a different way if they can still please run into clarota somewhere i'd appreciate it uh but yeah like i think the Whitestone arc and the Chroma Conclave arc are like probably my favorites. And then the, the final one, which I forget the name of, but it's the one, you know, with your boy Vecna. Right. Um, Who is the whispered one? If I'm confused, if I'm thinking it's, correctly. The, yeah. It, definitely. Like, I don't think they it's could use the word Vecna uh, when they were doing the show, maybe, or when he created the Tal'Dorei mm -hmm. book that wasn't associated with Wizards of the Coast. Yeah, definitely for the book. I wonder if they can get permission to use it in the show. That would be interesting. Uh, if anybody um, could, it would be them, right? Right, yeah. Because uh, I think that probably just helps their brand and helps them sell more Hand and Eyes of Vecna through WizKids and who knows. Yeah. But uh, no, I was very intrigued. I love this idea of the the ritual was maybe successful or like the ritual was I actually used you the whole time, like dumb enemy that we're, we're attacking. And now there's this weird spinning ball of death. That's just kind of like mm -hmm. hanging out. And I'm like, that I, I thought that was really interesting. And like, we're going to have people look into it and then they're going to come back 
in like five years and something really bad has happened because they didn't take care of it back then. And so I like this. Yeah. Idea, so, and that's, that's pretty much what happens yeah. in the, in the original campaign, uh, which is good. It's nice little sort of like dangling thread that you can come back to later. Yeah. Um, but okay. So in terms of like big strokes, was there anything that you did not like about the, the season? Any like major things? Cause I can only think of one. Um, I didn't, well, the first two episodes I didn't really care for because it felt like a pilot. Um, and then I feel like they got moving with this, uh, Briarwoods, uh, business. So I was excited about that. Um, but like something that stuck out and, and a lot of it is maybe cause I am familiar ish with critical role. Uh, I, I don't know. I didn't like Scanlan very much. I thought that he was <laughs> just like, annoying, but like I did like uh, how he found like super uh, metal powers to make his magic hand go even higher during an acid spill. So I was like, okay, that's kind of fun. That was funny. Uh, but I don't know. I'm trying to think of something that really upset me and I can't put my hand on it, but um the only thing that I did not like about this show, and this has nothing to do with the writing and everything to do with the animation. Uh, th- it, so I did like those first two episodes a lot. The thing I didn't like about them is the dragon is CGI. Oh, and I they did that it cheaper. Awful. Yeah. Just real, especially that big fight scene they have with it when it's flying around the cavern. And I'm like, wow, that looks very blocky and like it moves weird and I don't like it. Um, I wonder if that they, was to like finish the show quicker or something because maybe or just I'm sure it would have been very expensive to animate like yeah. a giant thing because like the ziggurat that. at times was very CG ish too. Now that I'm thinking about it, I think there was yeah, but of most points. of the characters weren't. Yeah, right? The characters like, were not. Yeah, a lot the of the fight effects were. Yeah. yeah, but um, but yeah. I, so and I'm a little worried about the chroma conclave thing. If it's just like they fight a bunch of CG dragons and that's the whole story arc, because I'm like I'm not really looking forward to that because I did not enjoy that fight scene at all yeah. in the first season, but uh that's yeah that's really my only my only problem with it i don't know why everyone's so down on scanlan that seems to be a, a thing that really? i hear a lot i, I thought it was just me because i know he's the most beloved like he's the most beloved sam of, of all people <laughs> like i like he's the favorite of a lot of people and i i liked his character in campaign two a lot um but i'm just not familiar with vox machina and the more i was here i was just like man this guy's annoying. Like I really like every other character, but he's just like really frustrating. So um, he did have a good moment though, where he was like trying to be a decoy. And uh, that was a fun section where it was like a Scanlan by himself. Like I can do this. I can save the people. Oh, oh, this is not what I expected at all. And then, so, well, that was, yeah, I knew that was coming because I think that was probably my favorite part from that arc when I watched the show. And I'm like, Scanlan's going to turn into a dinosaur. I am here for it. <laughs> and then when that episode started, I'm like, yes, it's happening. Awesome. <laughs> so, Super good. Was, yeah, a lot of fun. Um, I, but yeah, I like, if you haven't seen the show, I'm sorry that we spoiled a bunch of random things for you, uh, but you should watch it because it's quite good. It is. And really a benchmark of sort of like what a D&D show should be. Yes. It wasn't people playing D&D. It was just a story in that world. Mm-hmm. And I I hope this opens up the idea. I've said this before on, on the podcast here, but I hope this opens up the idea of doing more of those because uh, Arcane also came out which is the League of Legends world. And that show I also super enjoyed on Netflix. And it wasn't like, here's people jumping into their arcane things to to actually pilot League of Legends characters. It was like, we have this established world. We're going to tell this story and with these characters. And this was the same way. And I was thinking about that, how I would love um, a, an Eberron world like that. Like if they just did a 10-episode Eberron campaign where it wasn't like people playing the game, but it was just set in the world of Eberron, this fantasy story. Um, And the stakes are important to the characters, not necessarily to the entire world. I would really like to see that. Um, Same with the Forgotten Realms. I think it would be the really cool to see like a, um, I don't, Dritz has been done to death, but like something interesting like that would be really fun. So 
Yeah, no. So that's interesting that you bring up Arcane because that's a really, I mean, okay. Warning, I haven't actually watched Arcane. I've just watched I like think you would like some it. <laughs> clips. No, I think I would as well. I just haven't gotten around to it. It's not because I don't want to. It's just, just laziness. Uh, <laughs> but I think that feels like an example to me of like, here's a show that has a very unique world and we're going to explore that. Whereas Critical Role feels like here's a show that has very unique characters and we're going, or not maybe unique characters, but very sort of classic character archetypes that are fun. And we're just going to revolve around that. Because if you look at the world of Exandria, like you could have just set that in the Forgotten Realms. You could set that in a traditional fantasy thing. Like there's nothing about it that is super odd or out there. and that's good, especially if you're trying to onboard people and you're trying to just make a D&D show that is yeah. like, here is, it's a generic fantasy world. There's what are the castle. things you think? We, I don't have to yeah. explain to you that the castles do this. You understand the concept of a castle, you know? <laughs> yeah, there's like, oh, there's an airship. I guess that's a little off color, but, you know, it's fine. You can roll with it. There are dragons, look. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's really useful for it. And... It just gives that kind of general, like, oh, a D&D game is like this. You have a, a fantasy world. You have these characters that yeah. are representing the different archetypes of their classes. And then they're, you're just going to have a, a fun, goofy time yeah. killing monsters. No, and I, I think it'll open up the doors to do, like, anytime something like this is popular. And so the Amazon show's taking off, and Arcane did really well. You get uh, producers that are just like, what can we buy? What what can we make? Like, who has something out there? And so we're probably going to see a lot of really terrible stuff. Oh, um, sure. But uh, the D&D movie that they filmed, if they do that kind of in the same correct way, where it's like, here's just a story about these people. They're really interesting characters. And the world is actually a lot bigger than you know, um, th- or than what is perceived. Because I think that's the reason Star Wars was so popular is they didn't Mm -hmm. explain things. Like, you really liked these characters. And then later on, people went home and they're just like, well, what about this planet? What about this planet? And, like, the whole world kind of... You you got the sense that the world was a lot bigger than just those characters. Uh, And I get the sense of that with Arcane and with Vox Machina. And I want... And I hope that, I don't know, creates more creative storytelling because I would love to see more really cool fantasy shows like this. And you don't see those, so... And I really hope that the D&D movie is good. Uh, not that any D&D brand movie has ever been it's never, good. Never been. So <laughs> it's not a great, they don't have a great track record. But if it was good, uh, I think that we could definitely usher in uh, this time of like, oh, here's like adventure fantasy movies that are not these big grandiose things like Lord of the Rings, yes. right? Because that that sort of ushered in the, that kind of, the popularity of that kind of genre, which is not a bad genre. It's great, but uh, it can be a little self-serious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I would love sort of more fun fantasy adventure romps, kind of like in the way that uh, Marvel's succession of really good superhero movies in the mid aughts kind of opened the door yeah. for like, oh, now we can have like fun superhero romp movies that get made all the time, mostly by Marvel, but still. Yeah. Uh, well, so no, I would. I, because I love Ant Man and I love this. And then setting up those characters to then do an endgame is like kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and really, you could do the exact same thing where it's like, here's a little adventure with these, this bandit, and here's a little adventure over here. And then they're going to come together to destroy Vecna at some point. <laughs> like that would be yeah. really cool. Uh, and I know that's what Wizards of the Coast wants so badly oh, with yeah, their franchise 100%. because they want to sell all of the the toys and everything else uh, <laughs> and really like create that world. And so who knows, but um. yeah. Yeah, or like in the in the 80s when Conan first yeah. came out and it was extremely popular and then it spawned a bunch of spin-offs and like most of them aren't good, but you do have like a reasonable stable of like pretty good sword and sorcery movies yeah. from that era. So I'm like, okay, good. Yeah, let's let's get something like that going in the modern age. I'd be into it. Yeah. And we've got a lot of uh, or just just CG and computer effects can make it look really cool now. As mm, before, yeah. it was it was really challenging. So you're like, we're not going to necessarily do this, uh, but I don't know. We'll see. So that's about that. Uh, I'm excited. Critical Role was really good. Uh, and and we're going to talk next about 
a little show called Rod of Seven Parts that you were in. That was excited or exciting for you. It was exciting for me. No, so remember how I was saying that I felt that void when I wasn't DMing every uh-huh. week? I think my perfect situation is play once a week and DM once a week. Maybe play twice a week. That's one of those things where it's like, okay, sometimes I want time to do other stuff. But yeah. but I think, yeah, like playing once a week, DMing once a week is like my, you know, perfect That would be perfect world porridge. for me as well. Like, yeah, yeah, like the, the correct porridge temperature. <laughs> Is, the Goldilocks zone of D&D. Yes, the Goldilocks zone of D&D <laughs> for me. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I'm, and that's what's going to be happening. Um, I don't remember what our start date is. Oh, I don't think we have one this, yet. Yeah. It's, it's probably in the spring. Probably in the spring. Uh, yes, there's the sequel, Rod of Eight Parts, is what we're going to do. Oh, dang. So, no, uh, I just wanted to talk a little bit about it. So, uh, we, we've been talking about getting the band back together for a while, but... Um, schedules and poor Brenna has been stuck in Australia, but she's back in the United States now. <laughs> and, uh, but then we brought this up to her and she's like, well, I might be back in Australia. And we're like, okay. Um, but we're trying to get everybody organized, but I really do want to bring everyone back together. Uh, and specifically I had this idea of, uh, it's been about two years since we played. And so I wanted to have this, like, no, you've been stuck in, in sigil for two years. Uh, or Sigil, how, how, what have you been doing in these two years? And so I'm toying with this idea of having um, one-on-one sessions with all of you leading up to whatever like summer date that we're going to start. And I think that would be a lot of fun. And I do have a plan for the next arc and stuff. I think I'm going to borrow another 2E adventure mm-hmm. um, that I've wanted to run for a while and kind of like change it up as I need to. But uh No, I know exactly what adventure you're thinking of, and I have not read it, so that's good. (laughs) But I I have heard quite about quite a bit about it. I'm excited. Um, But uh, yeah, that's very cool. I am excited to uh, figure out how my character has changed during that time. I'm excited to play again. I've I've decided on a new costume for my character, (laughs) Shifter, the illusionist wizard. Yeah, I could really have any costume at any given time, considering my power set, but. Uh, I've also decided that I'm definitely going to take the spell Simulacrum during this campaign. Yeah. So now I can make a duplicate of myself and be even more narcissistic than my <laughs> character already is. I love it. I love those spells that uh, they never get used. And I haven't I haven't been able to play a character to get to the point to use them. But I've always wanted the clone spell to like be useful mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and Magic Jar. Like I yeah. have like, I sit down and I think about magic jar and how like you could use it in some cool way. Um, and then I'll never be able to play a character that gets to that level, but <laughs> we'll see. Um, I did have a character uh, who was in a critical role campaign and he was a conjuration wizard, Joshe Manu Manu was his name. Uh, and he actually ended up becoming the villain as we we finished the campaign, I pledged my allegiance to Tiamat and then disappeared in a divine burst of necrotic energy or something. So uh, we don't know what's going to happen, but we've been talking if he comes, if if they start those, or if we play those characters again, that maybe I can be like a clone or something. And actually Josh A can come back and be like, well, no, like evil Josh A did that. But like clone Josh A's here for you guys. Like, it's going to be good. And so, I'm the good. I'm the good one. Like, I, I love this idea of like, no, 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 that's, that's evil Josh A. Like I'm, I'm, I'm good clone Josh A. It's fine. They, they took out the bad genes when they reformed me. It's okay. Oof. So, <laughs> which is the cool thing about D and D is you could just do just about anything. So, yeah. um, so that's a little teaser for you guys. We don't have a date set, but uh, the the banana bunch will be back and we'll be doing some more streaming on Ted's channel with that. Yeah, nerd immersion. Fun. We're gonna do it more. So that's I mean, for those who are unfamiliar, that's five E. Yeah. Uh, at this point, a higher level campaign. We yeah. started what we started like third or something. You started at uh, level four or five. Oh, okay. And then I, we uh, finished the campaign, and it was like a 10-month campaign, and I think you guys finished at 12. Um, yeah. Or you finished so, at 11, and then I think, like, the act of finishing the game, I'm like, you can be level 12, so. Sure. So, so yeah, we're definitely going to be continuing. That would be fun. Uh, that, and it's going to be good, and, yeah, I mean, it's going to be a high-level D&D game. And almost everyone in the party is a caster. Yeah. <laughs> That, this has I'm, been a fun one where we have uh we have no 
healers. Like we have a warlock and, and then, yeah. And then LB is constantly like, well, can I like change this up? Because I think she's always like, because of the three casters, you guys do so much crazy shit. And then you have poor rogue LB who's like, uh, what? But I, she's she's I got the demon Amakana of Iguilv. She's fine. She'll be okay. Oh, that's true. She does have that. Wow, <laughs> we're we're a very high level powerful party. Uh, the uh, yeah, because so Brenna plays the um, uh, celestial pact warlock. So yeah. we get a little bit of healing out of that. And then I'm a wizard, and Ted is a wizard, but we're playing very different wizards. So I'm like an illusionist control wizard, and he's a blade spell. Singer. Blade Singer, that's yeah. what it's called. And he's he's a Jedi. He like yeah. has a laser sword and you know uh very, very good in combat. And then yes, LB is a well, she's already multi-classed, right? She's a rogue fighter. fighter yeah, or, I think she yeah. took fighter, yeah. So but she was she respect once because she wasn't having fun with what she was doing. And there was something about bonus actions where she's like, Well, I use my bonus action to do this, so I never actually get to utilize this part of my character. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's fine. So she swapped it up for another rogue, but I don't remember. So, but that's my point. I want people to have fun. Have fun in my games. You want people to have fun? I'm not going to punish you for making a bad decision. I don't don't get it. Yeah. But uh, sure, whatever you want to do. Zine month. (laughs) What's going on with zine month, sir? Zemo. Zemo 2020, not the villain from Captain America, but. Zemo 2022. (laughs) Excuse you. (laughs) <laughs> uh yeah z month it's z month everyone that's this month this month is almost over z month is almost over so head um, over to zmonth.com and yeah look for no some actually stuff. actually go to zmonth.com so um people may be familiar with zine quest perhaps i'm not sure even that is a little you know yeah. like a little underground um but that was something that kickstarter did the last couple of years and it was just their official um sort of promotion of like, hey, let's have indie RPG creators make zines yeah. and put them up as crowdfunding projects. And it was very successful. Both years they did it. And then this year they didn't say whether they were going to do it until like a month before it usually happens. Yeah. And they were like, oh, we're probably not doing it. And everyone was like, oh, okay, well, everyone likes to make zines at this time of year. So let's just do our own thing. Well, and that's the thing is people were planning on making a zine for this yeah. time frame, And yeah. so then they were like, well, we're not going to do it. And then there were people saying, well, we're going to push it back to August. But the wishy-washiness of Kickstarter made everybody like, well, we'll just do it ourselves. Because yeah. we're indie RPG sure. people. This is what we do. Yeah, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> we strike out on our own. That's kind of our thing. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So the I forget the name of the person who started it, but there was a... a a person started a, a website for zine month, which you have linked to in the chat. Yes. And it, they were basically like, okay, if you're going to do a crowdfunding project, it doesn't matter where the crowdfunding is happening, like Kickstarter yeah. or any other kind of platform post uh, an entry of it on this page. So people will be able to find it within all the stuff. And man, there are a lot of yeah. people that signed up to do stuff for it. I think it's like, it's kind of, it's I hope like they redesigned 15. this site so I can find oh, things yeah. easier because it's kind <laughs> of frustrating, but it's really difficult. They really need some, but what uh, I thought like... was cool is if you go to resources on the site, um, they list like, here are places to fund that aren't Kickstarter. And a lot mm-hmm. of these I didn't know about. And so I thought that was kind of fun to just know that there's other, other people out there building stuff and looking for crowdfunding. So for sure. Cool. It's, yeah, it's great. It's like, especially since a lot of people, um, especially in the indie scene are, and I mean, all over, are now wary of Kickstarter because they were like, hey, guys, how do you feel about the blockchain? Yeah. <laughs> um, and a bunch of people are like, no, I hate it. I'm going to use a different site. Yeah. Um, so you have this really nice mix of people who are doing the Kickstarter route, people who are doing itch.io because that has a funding feature mm-hmm. and other stuff like uh gumroad and game found and some other things so it's cool it's nice to see everyone sort of tied together even though they're in disparate places uh the site does need to have better search optimization because it's like but it's their first year i think they were just trying to get it up and running so i'm giving them credit i'm just saying like Mm -hmm. in the future i would love to be able to filter by like system or generic uh, like this is an open system or this is a hex crawl. So I can really like dig down because just because there were so many entries and maybe they weren't there, expecting yeah. this many either. So 
that might have been part of it because there's like your your page a page of the site holds like 12 uh entries and then there's like 15 pages so mm-hmm. you kind of just have to keep going page by page to like yeah. find stuff and it's not it's not great but uh it's overall it's a nice thing there's yeah. been so many fun projects yeah um a lot of Morkborg stuff which i haven't played Morkborg. uh but is i guess i shouldn't say this but is more popular than i anticipated <laughs> like there's a lot of people that are like creating indie stuff for it i was like oh so yeah i'm really i'm excited that that game continues to be uh successful because obviously like it's so eye-catching that i got why it yeah. made such a splash when it first showed up but uh it's cool that it sort of continues to be supported and that people are really into it uh a lot of people the the flack that they like to give Morkborg is that it's not very uh like runnable because it's mm-hmm. so oddly designed that it's hard to like figure out rules on the fly uh my counter to that is it's so rules light that like you don't need to look up something on a chart in the book yeah usually because there's isn't that much crunch to it um but yeah it's uh, it's actually funny one of my friends who um was I was having lunch with him over the summer, and he was just complaining to me about Five E, uh, because he's one of those people who's gr- who've grown very sick of it because they played it too much. Uh huh. Um, not ninety percent of the RPG audience, but there is that subset that feel that way. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, "Yo, here are some indie games," and I just like gave him a list of like five games, and Morkborg was at the top of it. And he saw Morkborg, and he was, and he downloaded it, and he read it, and he's like, "Dude." This is the best thing I've ever oh, seen. Oh, wow. That's great. Uh, and he got super into it. And now he's like making um, uh, Magic the Gathering themed Morkborg like classes. Oh, cool. So he's taking the Innistrad stuff from Magic the Gathering and making the different like uh, like major cards or like faction archetypes yeah, from yeah. that world into Morkborg classes and like translated a bunch of the monsters from that into Morkborg. Um, and because, you know, he's just giving it away for free. So he's like yeah. using the, 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 um, MTG art and everything. Yeah. So it looks really pretty. Um, but yeah, so that's but isn't very cool. that great when you're actually reading a game, like, cause I, I, I like 5e a lot, but I've read some other indie games where I, it just clicked with me. I was like, this mm-hmm. is the thing I should be playing. You know, I had that experience with Dungeon Crawl Classics and Old School Essentials and other things like that, where I'm like, it's, I don't know. I think that's fun when you're like, this is so cool. <laughs> Yeah, and it's also important for those out there watching to remember it's not a zero-sum game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, maybe that's the game you're playing system-wise, but, uh, <laughs> but the idea is like you're not um, – if you're into 5e but you want to try something else, you're not just going to stop playing 5e and only play this other game. Like that's not – I mean, I guess some people do that, uh, yeah. but, but you shouldn't, right? You should be like, oh, okay, I like 5e to play – sometimes or for a certain kind of game but like here are some other games that Mm. i want to try out and you'll find some interesting stuff out there um it doesn't have to be all or nothing doesn't mean you dislike 5e just because you like dungeon crawl classics or more borg it's not yeah you you can have many many loves and it's true and, (laughs) and on the reverse side of that too because as i was getting into um dungeon crawl classics and and other things like that uh, I had a couple of people were like, well, I was thinking of inviting you to this game, but you don't like 5e anymore. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like, that is but... not the case at all, guys. So, like, I will I will definitely, like, still play 5e and things like that. It's just, like, I like trying other games as well, you know. Um, but I have friends that are like that where they're like, well, Numenera is kind of my jam, so I only play Numenera. And you're like, oh, okay. But speaking of zine month, there is one of these zines out here called Sea of Myrrh. I would like to hear more about that. Who's making that zine? Uh, it's Dank Dungeons. What? Is uh, making a, uh, oh, sorry, presents Sea of Myrrh, a uh, st- setting guide by Lex Mandrake. That's true. Uh, so, the audiobook uh, read by Jordan the PH is silent. That would be great. We should do an <laughs> audiobook. Um, no, but the, uh, yeah, in terms of other games, uh, there is a game that a guy named uh, Yohai Gal, which is probably not exactly how it's pronounced. It's a very, very Jewish name. Um, he lives near me, uh, and I was hanging out with him, and he's like, I made this rules like game called Cairn. And I was like, oh, that looks cool. And I read it, and I'm like, oh, this is cool. 
so when zine month was coming around i'm like you know what i'm gonna do a thing for zine month yeah why not i'll just do a little thing so i'm doing a little setting guide for that and it is heavily influenced by pirates of dark water the early 90s cartoon uh there's a lot of that in there there's a little bit of legend of zelda wind waker uh and there is a little bit of uh Ursula K. Le Guin's Earthsea. Oh, fun stuff in there, um, and yeah, it's it's like character options, monsters, a bunch of spells, stuff like that. Um, and right now, let's see, we had a goal of like five hundred. We're at about four yeah. right now, and it's one of those things where I'm like, listen, it's fine if it doesn't fund. I don't care. Uh, I'm that money's just going towards art. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, it, like you're going to try and make it no matter what, as yeah. I'm assuming. And that's kind of how Itch works. Like Kickstarter is an all or nothing. Um, but Itch is like, or at least you've set it up that you're kind of buying into it early. Mm-hmm. Um, so because if I buy it now, do I get something? That's what I was wondering. You, you yeah. do, yeah. So this is another way in which Itch is, is very different from Kickstarter and the way its crowdfunding works. So it's basically like, it's a, it counts as like a sale mm-hmm. and it's saying like, okay, it's on sale for this limited time. And then it you get a ticker at the top of your product page saying how much money has been made during the sale. So you get to track it the same way you track a Kickstarter thing, but all the transactions are like you're normally purchasing a product, um, which means not only do you get something, but I also like, it's not an all or nothing thing like yeah. with Kickstarter. So I like the money that has been contributed already. I have like it's in there so mm-hmm. I can spend it even if I don't reach the funding goal. Uh, but yeah, so you, you are getting something for it. You're getting, um, like I said, character options, uh, lots of items, both mundane and magical and a bunch of spells and a bunch of creatures so it's everything you as a player could need to make something for this setting and then like some things for a game master. Oh, there's also some variant rules. There's a rule for like a meta currency called doubloons because <laughs> you gotta call it doubloons, uh, which are just like you get to spend them to do fun things in game. Uh, and what was the other thing? Uh, oh, like rules for um, taking actions when you're underwater because it's a nautical theme thing. So yeah. like, yeah, you're going to do stuff underwater. You got to have that in there. Um, I also added advantage disadvantage, which I just ripped out of 5e and put it to this because it wasn't already in that system. Um, I like how one of the people in chat is like, you're not putting record of Lotus War in your game. And I'm like, it is a, that is a bad sign. I mean, you got to have record just, of Lotus War. I, it's funny that you should mention that because I just was hanging out with LB from uh, Banana Bunch uh, online the other day. And I was like, you know what we should watch? record of lotus war and she was like what is that and i'm like it's D the anime and yeah. it's great <laughs> so it great. uh good luck so finding I just... it i haven't been able to find a copy of it uh oh i got it oh Let's really see. okay there you go. yeah um <laughs> the uh because <laughs> we were talking about it a couple shows ago and i'm like oh and i like went looking for it i couldn't i found a spanish dub of it and i was like oh Ooh. this is not as fun as i want <laughs> still fun but <laughs> The uh, but yeah, so I just started rewatching that and it's great. And no, my current product has nothing to do with that in terms of inspiration. But do I want to make a product that's inspired by Record of Lotus War? Yes, Very at cool. some point, I probably will. Yeah, um, so uh, it's the sale right now is like five dollars for this, and so uh, yeah, uh, and Le- Lex writes really good stuff. You should go check it out. Um, I encourage you and then help him reach his $500 goal. <laughs> yeah, it's fun. There's um you can play as a aquatic goblin, a merblin as yes. they're called, uh, and get a riding turtle as your star- as part of your starting gear. Um or you can play as a big crab person. A, a hermit crab person. They're great. Uh, oh, okay. So not a okay. I want to be a hermit crab person. That sounds weird. Yeah. They're fun. Like the weird <laughs> Forgotten Realms lobster people that they kind of forgot existed and then brought back Aldani. for uh, mm-hmm. Tomb of Annihilation, I think. Yeah. So. <laughs> I was thinking of, listen, I'm here's a deeper cut. I was <gasps> thinking of the Homerids from Magic the Gathering. What is it? Like Fallen Empires or something? Or the Dark? <laughs> that, man, those things look weird. But no, I made like a hermit crab person. So you get to your shell 
that you carry around because you're person size. Yeah, yeah. You have a big shell and that's like your armor. So you start off with like really heavy, like really big armor, <laughs> which is fun. Um, but yeah, so those are in the class archetypes and you can also like pirate is obviously in there and there's uh, a bunch of other fun little things, merchant sailors and, uh, and like aquatic sorcerers and uh, priests and things like that. So aside from yours, which is awesome, what other zine month things have been on your radar that you are thinking about? So many. So the, the big ones. The big, the big ones that honestly don't need your money, but you might want to fund anyway because they're really cool, especially if you're into indie uh, game stuff, um, are Knock Issue 3 is crowdfunding right now, and Old School Essentials, uh, yeah, Old School Essentials um, uh, box sets are yeah. funding right now. So uh, like you held up with Knock, it's a, it's, a, it's a magazine. It's pretty thick, right? There's a lot to it. The, the graphic design, wow, I can't see that yep, at all. It's pretty white. Uh, your huh? camera cannot there adjust to it. Uh, <laughs> the graphic design is all done by the dude who did the graphic design for Morkborg. Mm-hmm. So if you want that kind of feel, but like as a magazine, then that's for you. And, and easier to read than Morkborg. I oh, yeah. Like, way easier uh, uh, actually is like a, a, a magazine where Morkborg I I think one of the reasons I'm always surprised that it does so well is I'm like I don't where where are the rules on this really cool page but uh, I digress sorry mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah no I mean I, it, Morkborg definitely feels like that designer whose name is escaping me right now uh, was just going off the wall and doing all sorts of stuff and Knock feels like they have a very focused sort of like goal that they're trying to hit yeah. with every page. Um, so what I held up was knock it. one and two and mm-hmm. knock three is currently kickstarting yeah. right now. And I would highly recommend it. It's uh, like they wanted to raise like $5,000 and they're at over a hundred right now. I thought it was um, funny that all they wanted was like 5,000. Yeah. I'm like, that seems very low for a full physical print run of like a sizable book, but whatever. Oh, they, um, Felix. oh, the content, <laughs> we do have a cat on stream. Yeah. The, the, Felix is definitely cleaning his butt. So I'm sorry. Taking a bath, <laughs> you know? Hey, gotta stay clean. Um, the, uh, it's, what was I gonna say? It's, uh, most of the content is essays like yeah. blog post style essays that people have written that have either already existed on the internet, but the creators of the magazine thought were really cool and want to include them or their commissioned essays from uh, other writers. And I think it's like the first knock is almost entirely stuff from the internet that's been compiled. And then the farther in we go, the more they're like commissioning yeah. because the more new content they need. Uh, and then the other And it's stuff- really good things. It's really cool articles to kind of just talk about the tabletop RPG as a whole. And, and mm-hmm. sometimes it's like, and I'll give you an extra like random table for whatever reasons. And so I find them very inspirational. And I was sad that I missed the first two knock Kickstarters, but uh, was lucky enough to find out that the website, they were doing a reprint. And so that's how I got my copies. Um, and you can all, you can buy them as PDF. That's uh, they're always available as PDF, but yep. I like the collector in me really likes having these physical copies. So. Um, there's some other content that they include in there, like dungeons and mm-hmm. uh, classes and spells and things like that. Most of them are spec'd for um, like OSR versions of D&D. So yeah. either like original D&D or basic expert or something like that. But if you want to convert them to 5e, it probably wouldn't be that difficult. So so yeah, that's that's what those contains. They're really fun. Check them out. Um, the old school essentials one is uh, going back to basic expert. Uh, for those who don't know, old school essentials is the rewrite of basic expert. And in the past, they've had lovely box sets that have a bunch of like thin books. Yeah, um, hardbacks, but they're yeah they're thinner, and it's like here's just the magic items, or here's just the monsters and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's it feels like it would be really great to have those at the table for when it's like, oh, okay, the whoever's playing the wizard needs the the spell book for this thing, but then someone else needs to look at something else for their class and you can actually divvy the books up and pass them around. That feels like it would make it a lot easier. Plus they're just really pretty and they're really well made. So what uh, I heard happened is from a production standpoint, they want to make like two or three big tomes. And that's actually what I got. Um, with my old school essentials is the here's the player's tome here's the referee's tome and then it has the monsters with the referee and all this other stuff but uh the box sets were really popular 
Um, but from a production standpoint, they felt like they were confusing their audience where it's like, well, do I need these four little books or can I get the big book? And the information is the same. And so this Kickstarter was a reflection of that because people were like, well, they're kind of like chomping at the bit that they wanted these uh, these box set individual smaller books to kind of hand out at the table and stuff. So they were like, OK, we'll see if the Kickstarter is popular enough. And then now it's like super blew up and is doing yeah, very, very well. It's <laughs> Half like, a million, uh, so. <laughs> yeah, it is it is doing quite well. And it's got 27 days left to yeah. go. It, it really just started. Yeah. The, um, it's, it's also important because, like, if you want that box set, if that's something you're interested in, the really the only way you can get it is by backing this Kickstarter because the print runs are such that like you're it's really hard to get outside of outside of backing it um so yeah oh and it includes the advanced um rules box well you can get the classic or the advanced or both or Um, both and i would Um, recommend getting both but that's me so uh the advanced thing is like so if classic is is uh the bx game rewritten and all cleaned up at nice and well laid out with new art uh, advanced is the creator going to the advanced D and D books that came out at the same time as basic expert, but were obviously a different system, uh, and taking the content in them and, uh, converting it to basic expert. So it's like, okay, you can be a paladin or you can be a Durgar or you can be a, you know, whatever, an acrobat. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but you can, but you you're doing it with the basic expert rule set instead yeah. of the advanced Dungeons and Dragons rule sets. So it's a lot more streamlined. You don't have to worry about a lot of tables and matrices and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so there's a, Steve asks like, what's the draw of old school essentials? And I'm trying to put that into words. I'm not sure. I love it. I love the art. I love the gameplay. We ran a game of, or I ran you guys through a game of old school essentials. Um, I don't know. Like, I just like, I like the simplicity of it and it's, it's D and D, but it's slightly different. And it, I don't know. So, do you have do you have a good answer? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I think you really hit on it with the simplicity thing. For me, that's the big thing about it. Is it's like, oh, okay, here's a rule set that's like way easier to pick up and play, but it's still D and D. So you get to scratch that itch mm-hmm. and don't want it and don't have to like refer to a bunch of different rules to yeah. play it. Like um, I have so many of these zines that I've been picking up that are kind of like a one or two shot and sometimes i don't want to make a whole 5e character for this or i don't want to learn a whole new system and old school essentials is great for that where it's like hey guys just come over like what do you want to play a thief okay here you go we're gonna jump in and just run through it and so it's been i don't know i like it for that just to kind of play through some of these stories that i have so yeah, I think that the other big argument for it, and I think this is with um, the 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 OSR in general, but certainly with this game as well, is it kind of gives you a different feel to the gameplay than a modern game would, because a lot of the modern design philosophy, especially in 5e, but really in any thing from the 90s onward, is this idea that you have like, your character is like a badass superhero, like they're really powerful Mm -hmm. and they're going to beat up the big monsters it's going to be this giant fight explosions everywhere everyone's casting fireball everyone can fly resurrections all over the place and that's a certainly like a fun form of game to play Mm -hmm. but a lot of these old school games are like hey you're gonna like just survive by the skin of your teeth because you got you've got very few tools to work with and you have to make all of them count and it's much more dangerous and challenging i guess if you want to think of it that way um and i think there's an appeal to that gameplay and again it's like you know that's not for everybody and there's nothing wrong with that right Mm. so i got nothing against it if that's if you'd rather play the style of game that 5e is offering you, yeah. that's totally cool and a great kind of game to play. But sometimes I like to play something yeah. where I'm like, and so uh, some yeah. people are like, well, will I like it? And I'm like, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I can't tell you. That. I, I really like it um, for a lot of the things that Lex was saying here, but I have introduced these, the OSR style games to some of my friends and they were very turned off by it because they weren't superheroes. And they didn't, they didn't understand the idea of, like, but I want to go in and save the day. And I'm like, oh, sometimes you run away from the monsters. And they didn't like that. So it, it mm-hmm. literally is your preference. Yeah. Um, and so I, I learned then that it's like, it's not for everybody. 
Um, but the people that do enjoy it, it can be a lot of fun. So <laughs> for sure. So yeah, I think that's I think that's the main thing to consider if you want to get into that scene or buy that game. Because I I also get that like it's what is it like a hundred dollars if you want to get both yeah, it's, um, a, it's kind both of sets. So. so if you're not sure if you're gonna like it, <laughs> maybe don't drop. Maybe that pick up of money. the free PDF on drive through. Yeah. There actually and, is a yeah. really nice um, uh, free PDF. I think it's like 50 pages. It's basically, yeah. Yeah. it's most of the rules uh, for uh, the basic, the classic game uh, system. Find it quick. Yeah. And it's got like, it's got really nice art in that as well. That's like specifically for that document. Uh, so yeah, no, check that out. See if it's good. You've got 26 days. So if you're yeah, like, to hey, think about it. <laughs> yeah. If you're like, hey, I did really like this playtest packet thing. Let me um, buy the thing. This is for uh, Old School Essentials, uh, which is an OSR type game. Um, mm-hmm. OSR, Old School Renaissance are taking the, the free rules that we kind of had for third edition and reworking them into something interesting and cool. Uh, so for Old School Essentials, if you don't think you'll like it, uh, I would definitely download this PDF. Um, it's the free basic rules, and you can see if it's up your alley. Uh, because this is not new. This is a reprint of the stuff that they've been working on. This is just a way to get the box set in print form. So Yeah. yeah. I will say that. Uh, so, so yeah. I mean, that's the, so those are the big things uh, that are crowdfunding this month that, like, again, they don't need your money. They have plenty of money. Yeah. But uh, they're very worth checking out if you want to get into that scene um but in terms of zines zine scenes uh there's there's a couple that i wanted to mention that are that are funding that are smaller creators um one of them is discordantopia which i think i'm pronouncing right okay it's uh it's very very well it is doing well it had like a it had a goal of like a thousand dollars and it's like at a thousand five hundred right now and it's, I mean, it kind of looks like a Mobius painting. If you're familiar with Mobius's work, uh, he's the dude who influenced um, the fifth element. The fifth element is not technically Mobius, but it's basically Mobius, like mm-hmm. the whole aesthetic of that movie. Uh, so this game is kind of like a fantasy, a science fantasy sort of thing. A dystopian uh, a, punk spelljammer city. I like this. <laughs> yes. A dystopian punk spelljammer city. Uh that um it's it's just wacky and weird and it looks like really interesting uh it is made to be played with troika which is um an indie game that you should look up it's very easy to play mm-hmm. um or polka which i only just recently found out about and it converts troika to a dice system or a dice pool system instead of a a roll under system oh okay and it's it's like a page of rules because yeah. Troika is already pretty rules light, uh, but it's a very interesting little conversion that I actually really want to try out. I so yeah, I mean, now, yeah. like with anything with like OSR rules light content, you can kind of just take it and then port it to something else without like a huge amount of work. So even if you're like, I want to play this in five E, you probably could. <laughs> yeah, you you probably could. Um, but uh, but yeah, so that looks fun. I thought that had a lot of personality. Um, also, we have the Ar- Archon. Is it Archon or Archon? I think it's the Archon Ruins, but I could It's probably wrong. Archon. Yeah. yeah, I just don't know how to speak or read. That's a problem <laughs> that I, I am right there with you, so. <laughs> it's, uh, so this is a, another little setting guide, and it's from uh, Gnarled Monster, who does a ton of like maps and stuff they're like a, a writer and an artist yeah because they are blessed with being able to do both yes. of those things <laughs> um uh, the art is amazing like this so totally cool. captures the osr i feel like it it has the vibe of um the divine beasts from legend of zelda breath of the wild mm-hmm. which i really really like um but kind of a little smaller for one thing but also a little more kind of like I don't know, a little more like a traditional dungeon crawly thing, or like there's a little bit of Dark Souls in there. Yeah. Um, there's what are they called? The are they called Pot, pot King? Yeah. Kin? Yeah. because yeah, they're, like they're just like ceramic pot monster thing people. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I love so it. Cool. I think it's really cool. Um so yeah, this is another thing that like kind it's of doing Final very Fantasy-ish well. too, like way back oh, in the day, yeah. early yep. Final Fantasy. So mm-hmm. it's um but yeah, it's like a region. There's a bunch of nice hex maps. 
there's monsters and NPCs and items and uh, like generators for other monsters. So if you want like a fun little setting guide, this is this is a thing that's worth picking up. Uh, for sure. So there are our recommendations. Um, sea of Myrrh, the Archon Ruins, uh, Discord and Topia, and Old School Essentials and Knock, obviously. Uh, and I will, if you're watching this later on, I will put links to all of this down in the comments or in the um, description. Um, if you're listening on podcast, the show notes should have all of those as well. Um, but I think that's our show, Mr. Lex. Thank you again for joining us. Thanks for having me. Super excited to have you over. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, and where can people find you if they want to know more? Obviously, they can check out Sea of Myrrh. But uh, where, where, yeah. where are you on the interwebs? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dank Dungeons, and that is where I am posting most frequently. Uh, and there is like a link tree on there, which links to, you know, my my itch page. I have written a bunch of stuff for DMs Guild. So if you want 5e content that I've made, it's up there. Yeah. And uh, what else do I do? Oh, I make music sometimes. I have, I have a band camp where I have um, albums slash RPG products. There's only two, but they're pretty good. Yeah. So you can check those out fun. as well. You should definitely yeah. check them out. Uh, the, um, the Shifting City, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, yep. Which is, uh, well, you should go check it out. Check out Lex on Bandcamp. He's awesome. So. so, so yeah. Find me on Twitter. You can find the links to everything else on there. That's awesome. Well, thank you again so much. Uh, I am obviously Jordan with a silent PH in the middle. Uh, and we'll be back next week um, with... Lucian, I think. We'll see if I he's still so. out of town. I'm not sure what's going on. Uh, but we, we might be back with him. Uh, thank you again, Lex, for being on here. And for the rest of you, we'll see you next week on another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. Take care. Bye.